This is episode 116 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Our first article today is Old Guys. Then more important than the bug out bag, the get home bag. And our enemies are ready, are you. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, um, our first article comes to us from the SHTFSchool.com. Uh, that's Selco's website over there if, you, uh, if you're familiar with him. And uh, again, his article is entitled Old Guys. And he's really uh, thinking back uh, a little bit to, uh, to an older uncle that he had. And then he gives some lessons uh, at the end, lessons learned at the end. So it's always interesting to kind of get someone's perspective here. So let's get started. My great uncle was a drinking man. He would drink heavily from the moment when he woke up until the moment he went to bed. But I do not remember ever seeing him stumbling, walking funny, or having problems with his speech. When he was at home, his favorite spot was on the couch in the corner of the room, just next to the wood stove, which was running always except on really hot days. He drank from very small glasses, shot glasses. Bottle was never visible. He kept bottle behind the couch. On the table, there was a silver box of cigarettes with tobacco and papers for cigarette rolling inside and his shot glasses. Table was old type table with a glass plate on top of it and under that glass, he kept paper that says the government and state recognizes him as a member and organizer of the early resistance movements against the Germans and Italians occupation World War II. Table, his cigarette box, his rakidja, and everything else in the room was off-limits for us kids. He lived with my grandparents. He never married, no kids. Actually, now when I remember he himself was, probably, was pretty much off-limits for us kids, only person who ever had some influence over him was my grandmother, his sister. She was the only one who could tell him sometimes that he needed to do something. He was one tough and dangerous old dude sitting in the room, drinking and staring in the spot where the wall connects with the ceiling. Sometimes we kids sneak in the room, seeking for stories or money from him. In return, we would bring firewood from shed for his never-ending stove fire. He would give us money often from his big veteran warrior pension. Stories were rare. Often kids just sat there talking some t- something he would occasionally say mm-hmm and stare in empty he did not go out very much except his regular chess meetings in the local community hall it was something like community hall war veteran organization and heavy drinking joint place in one people call it half leg because several handicapped folks who were there who were there were there all the time and i was a kid who often went with him there My grandmother often would tell me, go with him there and wait for him. I guess she simply was worried for him. Place was big big hall with old tables with games like chess and checkers on them. Great uncle would sit down, usually with some folks there, his old war comrades. They would play chess, drink heavy booze, and over time they would usually forget that I am even there. In that time I was taught 
in the school that we are living in, great socialistic and communistic society where all people are equal and that we got to that point through the heroic, heroic and noble fighting of working class in World War II. War and fights were something noble, heroic, and full of sacrifice. Our war vets were clean. They were people who sacrificed themselves for our motherland, for socialistic society. I was taught like that in my young mind. All was black and white. Over the time, I realized that folks on the table together with my great uncle had a bit different picture about war and fighting and honor. They talked about everything but with heavy slaying and in what looked to me in that time in codes and lots of remember the Mora or mountain and how we eat shoes. An answer would be, yeah, F it, and how many bodies there. Lots of that was not understandable for me. A lot of head nodding. One of those chess games stayed in my mind over several decades of the time since I heard it on that table. Man who played chess with my great uncle had a piece of shell in his body. I think it was not option to remove it so he grow old with that in his body. He had a couple of pieces in his arms and fingers and while he was thinking about his next chess move he would squeeze his fists and fingers and pieces of shell in his finger would pro producing the sound like something is chewing inside his hand. It was fascinating for me in that time. What I understand from their story was this. He and my great uncle were would find themselves in some heavy fighting during the World War II. Their unit was carrying a lot of heavily wounded together with lots of civilians who were running from German forces. Sudden attack of Germans made chaos and they together with a couple of guys got separated from the unit. They managed to break out from the encirclement. Then they hid inside some cave for a couple of days. They ate tree bark. Days later they went out and wandered through woods trying to go to the safe territory. And then they stumbled on members of their unit, actually a pile of it. On one small clear place in the woods, there were hundreds of bodies in a big pile. And the and man with the chewing in his fist said he never before or later saw anything like that. Soldiers and civilians were shot and put on a big pile of bodies in the middle of nowhere. And he said that a lot of them would heavily wounded but still alive actually. They were put there intentionally still alive to suffer more before they died. They found a couple of women tied to trees, dead. They quickly moved away from there, scared. Later that night, while they were resting, they heard noises, quietly went to check and found a German soldier sitting down and bandaging wound on his leg, probably lost and separated from his unit. They killed him with bay bayonets, and as I understand, they killed him slowly. That story terrified me to the bones, and I think... I heard it only because they were pretty drunk and not even realized I was with them. My great uncle died long time ago. He was a heavy drinker too to the last breath. On, on his funeral there were flags and speeches about honor and sacrifice, even his medals. We never found his wartime machine gun, Smadzer MP40, that he hid somewhere after the war, never giving it up to no one where it is, and as I am older, I feel sorry I did not hear more about his experiences. I am sure he cared a lot more for that machine gun than for his speeches, flags, and medals. I do not remember him as a war hero, and I am sure he did not think of himself as a war hero. He was scared often while he was in a survival situation. He often did things that he did not like. He was not invincible, and he was ready ready for trouble again all the time. He was a survivalist. Point of this article is, just like, 
just like uh, a lot of my articles, is memory of something. In this case, memory of my great uncle. And there is one more point for you, more important. Talk with old folks, with veterans, old or young. There is nothing like real life experience. Be patient. Best or worst stories are hardest to get, but it is precious knowledge. It is better prepper investment to hear now and what tree bark to eat than to buy 10 MREs. Many years after my great uncle experienced uh, an event, I experienced similar things. Hunger, fightings, piles of bodies. It is the human nature. Things like this are happening and will happen again. There's uh, a couple of uh, comments there, but 16 comments uh, here on uh, Selco's uh, article and and again I tried to keep with the reading of uh, of the way that he wrote it. Remember Selko is from Sarajevo, Bosnia, and went through the the whole Bosnian War and when Sarajevo was surrounded, and uh, you know kind of lived through that. And uh, so I just kind of wanted to keep with uh, that broken English there. But you know the point is uh, well taken that there are those people in our lives that are older. Who have seen things, have experienced things. I mean, we have the World War, World War II generation is passing away very, very quickly. Uh, but if you have someone in your family and in your life who has gone through that and went, maybe went through the Great Depression, or maybe they have lessons learned from their parents that were passed down from the Great Depression, I mean, those are very, very valuable. You know, we tend to uh, to forget those things. Things are so easy nowadays for us. So easy to go to the store and get whatever we want. But uh, they they came up with some ingenious things uh, back then, and so it's always uh, it's always good to hear uh, how they did things and how they uh, you know how they managed in that life. So uh, a little you know good advice, a short article, but good advice there from Selka over at SHTF School. All right, our next article comes to us from ActiveResponseTraining.net. And uh, the article is entitled, More Important Than the Bug Out Bag, the Get Home Bag. And so uh, they'll give a little bit of information here and then some things that are in the get in this uh, author's Get Home Bag. Uh, I believe uh, Greg has written this one. And uh, so, you know, might be uh, you know, pretty interesting for you to, uh, to hear. Um, and he's got some, some neat pictures of, I guess, his, his bug out bag and some of the things and the items that he uses. Not his bug out bag, I'm sorry, his get home bag and some of the things that he uses. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. Most people who are interested in personal preparedness understand and embrace the idea of the bug out bag, a backpack kept full of survival supplies that you can instantly grab if you have to flee your home during an emergency. See yesterday's article. The bug out bag is a great concept, one I advocate for everyone. See my previous article for details. But it is only part of the solution for true emergency preparedness. In talking with some smart friends, both in person and online, I realized I had a hole in my survival plans. My bug out bag was packed and ready to go, but what happens if the emergency occurred when I wasn't home? What if I had to get home, potentially on foot, after a major emergency? Think about all the people fleeing and collapsing fleeing the collapsing buildings after 9-11 or the people stuck away from home in Haiti after the earthquake when all the roads were destroyed, would you be able to make it home safely under the most trying circumstances with the equipment you have on your person or in your car right now? Thus was born the idea of the get home bag. 
It's a smaller emergency kit capable of sustaining you for a couple of days if necessary, no matter what horrible event may be occurring in the world. The Get Home Bag, or the GHB, should be portable enough to carry on your person or in your car and light enough so that you can travel fast. Think of it as a mini bug out bag. For my bag, I chose something that didn't appear threatening or militaristic as I don't want to draw attention to myself in an emergency. I want to be as low profile as possible, not wanting to look like a threat, an occupying force, or someone who has a lot of stuff to steal. Because of that, I chose the Osprey Helios Lumbar, Lumbar Pack, something you might more likely see on a hiker than a soldier. The Helios has ample room and can be carried like a briefcase, slung over the shoulder or strapped around the waist if you want your hands free. Mine is a neutral gray and blue color that wouldn't attract much attention or anyone wearing it in public. It's roomy and holds just the right amount of stuff to get me home. It has currently been discontinued, but you can likely find something very similar in looks and function. Here are the contents of my bag and why I think they are important. Remember, I am trying to be a generalist here, preparing for any possible emergency with a minimal amount of gear. Undoubtedly, there are better single items for a more purposeful use, but I want a small amount of gear that will get me by no matter what is going on. I want to be ready for a terrorist attack, EMP event, natural disaster, or even if my car breaks down far from home. Here's what I carry. Two 20-ounce bottles of water in outside pockets. A Gerber multi-tool and sheath attached to shoulder strap. Ten safety pins attached to zipper. Multiple uses for fastening fish hooks, shelter fabrication, or splinter removal. Safety pins are light and take up no space. Include a lot of them in your kit. And I tend to agree with that recently. Uh, you know, it's, it might be something that you don't really think about, but you can go get some really nice big safety pins at the dollar store and uh, just clip them on. That's uh, something good to have. Um, weapons. A Strider fixed blade knife. And then a K-Bar LDK knife for more covert operate protection. And a tear gas grenade if I get caught up in a riot and need to disperse a crowd. So I, I just off the bat, I was wondering, you know, if you can buy those on Amazon or not. Um, that's something that I wanted to go <laughs> check out. I've uh, never seen or never thought to look something like that up on Amazon. Why no guns? Since I am always armed with at least one pistol on my person and carry a spare locked in a safe in the car, I didn't feel the need for a third in the bag. The bag is unsecured in the cargo area in my car. There's a chance it might get stolen. I don't want to arm a criminal with my pistol. There's a, uh, a picture of the K-Bar LDK as well. Food, cooking, and water purification. Food is overemphasized in many survival texts. I didn't include much here because I can live without it for a long while. Water is crucial. You may have a way to purify water or cook acquired food in a more long-term emergency. Three power bar performance bars won't melt in the heat. One frontier water filter straw, light, cheap, and effective water filtration. I would, my personal opinion, I would just pay the extra. I think this frontier, uh, I looked it up, it was like 10 bucks. I think I would pay. Um, it might be it might be a little smaller, but um, than the the life straw. But I would pay the nine dollars more. Sometimes you can get them on sale for fourteen ninety nine, and uh, get just get the life straw. I think it it will take care of more. Uh, 
it will filter more water and take care of more of the junk that's in it. Uh, but, you know, leave that up to you. One bottle of water purification tablets. A Sierra steel cup bowl for boiling water, cooking, or drinking. Esbet folding pocket stove with three fuel tabs. A large piece of aluminum foil that can be used for cooking, making a bowl, or signaling. Windproof lighter, waterproof or windproof matches, magnesium fire starter, and two packages of easy fire tinder material. Shelter making materials, a mini folding pocket saw, 50 feet of paracord, a rain poncho, a trash bag, a silver space blanket, an SOL emergency bivy or space blankets on steroids, two yard flat pack of duct tape. Light and signaling. An LED headlamp. If you don't have a dozen headlamps, you are missing out. These things are essential. It's the only way to survive long-term power outages. You strap it on your head and you don't have to hold a flashlight. Walk, read, cook, whatever. It's the only way to go. I, I tend to agree with him on that. LED headlamps are, are good things to have. Uh, a blue LED light. A Streamlight Scorpion tactical flashlight. Extra batteries for each. Loud signal whistle and a mirror. Medical supplies, a blister kit, a blisto band, I may be walking a lot, 10 band-aids, 2 triangular bandages for wound packing, bandage creation, burn wrapping, tourniquets or slings, military trauma dressing, 4 emodium tablets for diarrhea, 2 levoflaxin broad spectrum antibiotic pills, 4 ibuprofen tablets, 4 benadryl and histamine tablets for allergic reaction, sneezing or sedation, six caffeine pills for energy to walk, stay up late or to combat coffee withdrawals, two wound cleaning wipes, two hand sanitizing wipes, finger scalpel, one package antibiotic cream, miniature tweezers, a small bottle of eye drops, miscellaneous gear, a mini AM FM radio with headphones for emergency news updates, a compass, camouflage bandana for head cover, water filter, dust mask, etc., pen and notepad, a small size Small sample size package of gun oil for firearm lubrication or fire starting. Tin pack of antibacterial baby wipes for body cleaning, toilet paper, etc. One pair spare of merino wool socks. A small camp, small compass. Um, each of these subcategories are packed in their own Ziploc bags which have additional uses. The entire kit including the water, gun and spare ammo weighs 13 pounds. If you, don't have, if you don't want to miss any of my future articles, please sign up for my email notification list. Okay, so uh, and there's 29 comments here that you can go check that out. So it's just a, a list of his bug out, uh, or I'm sorry, of his get home bag. And, uh, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different if you are, you know, one of the things that you hear about the most uh, recently as far as get home is, um, you know, on, on a wide scale is when people are, are caught in a snowstorm. And so people are going home from work and they're caught in a snowstorm and uh, for whatever reason their vehicles, you know, they're there like overnight or whatever. They have to abandon their vehicle or they have to stay in their vehicle. So definitely, you know, you want to keep items in your, you know, in a small bag or in a tote or something like that in your, in your, uh, in the back of your car, you know, uh, in your trunk would be, or if you have a truck underneath uh, your seat, I mean, that would be something to do, but uh, you know, when you're thinking about having to actually, you know, walk to get home, there's some good things here. I think one of the things that I would add, um, 
And I mean, I always have, uh, actually, I always have one or two with me, um, but I carry a backpack uh, to work. So that's, you know, when I'm carrying my stuff, I carry it in a backpack. But I always have extra uh, charger for my phone. And, uh, you know, I have one big charger. I, I normally put that up uh, on um, on Prepper website as just, you know, as a, as a cheap one. It's a solar. Supposedly it's a solar one, but the solar is like only on real emergencies. Like that's if, the, you know, EMP hits. There's no other choice, but, you know, you can charge it that way. It'll take forever to do that. But um, uh, I, I can get about two and a half charges on this one battery it's a pretty big battery it's about the size of a cell phone um, but you know it has a, a light on it as well uh, I'm gonna go, I'll go ahead and link to it the one that I'm talking about because uh, I think it's valuable when you're when I'm out walking around I don't want to carry a whole lot of stuff I can carry my phone in my back pocket and I can carry this charger in my um, in my uh, my other back pocket actually I did that when I was at a conference recently and I was using my phone very heavily, I was just able to plug in uh, right away. And so I think that's what I would add there because uh, phones would be, uh, you know, important. I think I would change out um, that uh, that water filter, um, the the Frontier water filter for the live straw. Uh, but you know, good stuff here. Um, always always good stuff to see what other people are thinking about and what they're doing. Um, I'll, my question would be why the two the two pills of uh, of um, the antibiotic um, the two levofloxacin broad spectrum antibiotic pills why just two um, not sure about that uh, and I'll tell you that uh, I have a little mini Altoids med kit you know I could, you call it a boo boo kit. And, uh, you know, that sucker is always coming in. I use that kit probably more than anything else. Uh, I have created a little urban kit that I use, urban survival, and that's not really survival items in there. Uh, I'm going to do an article on it here pretty soon. Just things that I have, but I tend to use those things uh, on a regular basis for whatever reason. But uh, that little boo-boo kit always comes in handy. Just recently this week, um, you know, that conference that I was at, someone needed a Band-Aid, and I was able to pull a Band-Aid from it. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, as, as well as, uh, you know, any ibuprofen, if anybody has a headache and they're asking for something like that or Benadryl, uh, Sudafed for, you know, for uh, sinuses and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, something to think about. And hopefully you do have some kind of kit like that. Um, I really do like the uh, the idea of uh, that fanny pack type um you know that he's that he's talking about. I mean, you can do uh, the Helios pack. I actually have one that I purchased off of a local, uh, like survival camping uh, supplier here in uh, in my area. I think they've moved, but I did. I do have one very similar to this um, that that would work. It doesn't have the pockets for the water, um, but I do have one that that would work there. And so you could pack a lot of stuff. I mean, you all the stuff that he had, you can pack a lot of stuff in this one bag. So, uh, you know, that's interesting. All right, so, um, and I am going to go check out that uh, that, that uh, tear gas on Amazon. I wonder if you can uh, you can get it um, and see if, uh, well, you know what? I, I did click on it, and tear gas, double action, Michigan approved. So I guess there is, I don't know if that contains about five one-second bursts. Um, I don't know if that's a real tear gas or not. Uh, or a tear gr gas grenade. It's more like, uh, you know, like mace, something like that. Anyway, all right. So, 
So uh, we'll go on from there. Our last article is from AmericanPreppersOnline.com. Uh, and uh, the title of this one is, Our Enemies Are Ready, Are You? And I think, uh, as you know, this was written on July 27th. Um, you know, I do my podcast in the evening time. This is July 30th. Um, he's going to be talking about North Korea getting ready to launch. And we all know that he, North Korea, the crazy little man in North Korea did launch. And uh, everyone's saying that now, I mean, that was a rocket that could hit America. Uh, you know, not just Hawaii, but he could hit America with that. So let me read this article and I'll come back with a few comments. Um, our enemies are ready, are you? Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Looking at today's headlines, you can only shake your head at the report that both Iran and North Korea are planning to launch rockets with the power to reach America today or tomorrow. This is the subject of today's post, so grab a cup of coffee, my friend, and have a seat. The U.S. military announced today that both Iran and North Korea are preparing to launch missiles today or tomorrow. Now, let that sink in a minute. Both of these countries are sworn enemies of the U.S. and have vowed to destroy the U.S. and Israel. <clears throat> I can only say thank God we have a president in the White House that has the balls to strike back if they do. It seems that in today's world we are living under a constant threat of attack from enemies both near and far. To emphasize this fact, a U.S. destroyer recently fired warning shots at Iranian gunboats who got too close to one of our destroyers. An armed Chinese jet fighter also came dangerously close to one of our surveillance planes while in international airspace. These are both acts of aggression and are done for only one reason, and that is to invoke a war with the U.S. by getting us to shoot down or sink one of their aircraft or gunboats. In fact, they are not only preparing for war, but are blatantly trying to incite a war. It will come, and it's only a matter of time and not if. President Trump also announced today that transgender will no longer be allowed to serve in the U.S. military, with the right already on the verge of declaring out and out war on the U.S. government, this could possibly send them over the edge. Fighting in the streets could soon become a regular sight. Talking all of this, or taking all of this into account, one can plainly see that it is time to start making final preparations for SHTF. We have all watched each passing day as the threats to our way of life have increased from both inside and out, and it's time to start watching for the violence to get out of hand. Now is the time to take out your generators and run them and make sure they are in working order. Make sure your water supplies are sufficient to see you through for several months at the very least. Inventory your food stocks and make sure they are ready to go. Be sure you have a stockpile of any medicine that you, are taking, uh, that you take regularly as well. Fill those extra gas containers and keep your tanks on your motor vehicles filled at all times. For those of you who are living or who live along the coast as I do, these are, are, are all the same things you do time, each time to, to prepare for a hurricane. This should be a habit for you by now, and it's an exercise that is well worth doing no matter where you live. Something that many preppers overlook is to make sure that if you have children, they know what to do in an emergency and where to meet you when the time comes. The last thing you will need when the flags go up is to be trying to find your loved ones and not knowing where they are. If you are going to be bugging out, unpack and repack your bug out bag to make sure you have everything you need and to familiarize yourself with exactly where each item is located. Double check your communications equipment and make sure you have batteries available to operate them. 
It's up to you to be ready to protect yourself and your family when the time comes and you will only get one shot at it, so be ready. Surprises will be no fun once SHTF hits, so make sure there will be none. Will war start tomorrow or next week or a year from now? I have no idea, but what I do know is that it's possible and I, for one, have no intention of getting caught with my pants down when it does. I can only hope you feel the same way and take action now to be ready for it. Practice now to survive tomorrow and you just might make it when others don't. Well, that's it for today, my friend, and I hope you have found this post useful. Until next time, stay safe and stay strong and stay prepared. God bless America, Sarge. So there are a few comments here. Uh, and, and again, you can uh, go check out this article and uh, you know take a little bit of time to reflect on it. You know, one of the things that um, uh, you know we we know already since this article has been written that North Korea did fly one off, uh, and people are starting to you know consider that hey they can reach America. Um, uh, our B two bombers were flying over North Korea, letting them know uh, you know our nuclear uh, capable bombers are flying over. Letting them know that we're not, uh, you know, we're not playing around. I guess sending a message, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the pr the problem is, is that it would be real easy to just kind of go send rockets off to North Korea. But North Korea can very easily uh, start barraging, you know, South Korea with all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're so close, and they have the equipment to 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 wreak havoc in South Korea. And uh, from what I remember reading uh, an article that the estimates were, I mean, there would be a lot of people dead in uh, North Korea, South Korea. Uh, people are not just, you know, people are not prepared. And uh, so there, there would be a lot of casualties if, uh, if things went live over there. And so one of the, the things to consider is I'm sure that uh, our military is how can we, if they, if they are going to strike, how can we do a first strike and then knock out as much as possible of their artillery before they can start doing damage on South Korea? Because, I mean, they're our, our ally and we're going to have to uh, go in there and we're going to help them. And then not only that, I mean, what are going to be the repercussions with China? What are going to be the repercussions from Russia and, and everybody else? And so if uh, Iran starts seeing, uh, starts seeing something like that going on in North Korea and see that we're involved there, then maybe they think that's their time and their move to start moving on, uh, moving on Israel because you know there it's just so easy for them to to move that way. And so you can see how easily things could just start getting out of control uh, and uh, you know go go downhill from there. So um, you know I'm I'm sure they're they're looking at this and uh, you know looking at all options, but uh, you know there's. North Korea has been steadily you know, moving forward and pushing it. And so, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But I, I do agree with Sarge here. I don't believe it's, you know, uh, if it's going to happen. I believe it's going to be when it's going to happen. And there are so many things in the year. We, we went out to go eat with some friends this, uh, this last Friday. And we were talking about there are so many things up in the air right now that are possible. I mean, you have, you know, wars going on. You have, you know, saber rattling with all the other, you know, Russia and, and you know, Russia has kicked out uh, or saying like 700 diplomats, I believe, are having to leave Russia, right? And so uh, they're retaliating for things that we have done, sanctions on them. And, 
you know, Iran is 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 they're firing stuff off. I don't think their theirs was very successful, if I remember correctly. But you have those kinds of things going on. Uh, then you have the economy, you know, that's you know teetering on the edge at any time. Uh, you have things so easily. I heard swine flu is starting to kick back up again. Uh, you know, not anywhere you know near us, but I know that wherever it it was at, it's starting to kick up again. Uh, I saw that on Twitter. You have uh, riots in Jerusalem and and how crazy that can get over there. And so there's so many things, you know, up in the air. And then you know, one little thing, uh, it's probably going to be multiple things, you know, set 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 things off. So that's why we prep. That's why we stay prepared. That's why we uh, we make sure that we have you know uh, things that to take care of our family. So uh, when things go downhill, that we're able to uh, survive and and then also make a difference in the world. At least uh, that's what I choose to do. And I know there's a lot of you out there as well. You choose to, uh, you know, uh, use your skills and your knowledge uh, when things start going downhill to help people. And, uh, you know, not necessarily just giving away all your food, but, you know, there's things out there that we can do to help, uh, whatever that might be. So, all right. So that's it for... um, for the Monday podcast, starting off a new week. Hope you had a great week or uh, weekend. Hope you got to do some uh, some uh, fun things and or got to rest. Maybe if that was in your uh, you know something that you needed to do for your body and for your mind. Uh, but uh, starting off a new week and getting it going. There's some uh, preparedness things that you uh, that you might need to do and might need to take care of. If uh, this website, or I'm sorry, if this podcast is not enough, come on over to Prepper website. We do tons of articles there. A lot of articles that uh, that I don't read here on uh, on the website. A lot of alternative news things too uh, that um, that are uh, very interesting and things that you should be aware of out there. So uh, come on over to Prepper website. If you come over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, leave me a message in the comment section and just say, hey, let me know that you were here and, and what you think. And uh, I'd always love to hear from uh, from listeners out there and love for it if you uh, would share out the, the podcast with uh, your friends and people on social media. Uh, that's always appreciated. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.